Brian, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And uh, you know what matters to me is how I got to Phoenix. Uh, I got to Phoenix years ago uh, because I was fortunate enough uh, to play college football at uh, The Ohio State University, I might say. <laughs> and uh, with that opportunity, um, I prayed about it. And I, I wished and I hoped and I prayed and I planned and I prepared uh, that one day I might get a chance to get drafted in the National Football League and get a chance to play in the National Football League. And I've shared this story a couple times. And if I played when it was over with because of that last game that I played here in Phoenix, Arizona, I said that I was going to marry this beautiful woman that I was dating at that time, still beautiful, uh, Darice. And hopefully her and I, God willing, to get a chance to uh, relocate, kind of semi-retire and move to the city of Phoenix. And, uh, and I, I was blessed and I'm here. And I say that just because there were a number of young men, close to 300 some nine young men that got a chance to get drafted uh, and to hopefully play in the National Football League. There were others who signed free agent contracts. And uh, that's what matters to me. And it matters so much to me that every time uh, of the year, uh, I bring my good friend Kelvin Fisher into the studio with me. So uh, Fisher is here today. Uh, man, welcome back, Fish. It's been a year since you've been in the studio with me, man. Right, right, right. I mean, I'm excited about being here with you. And, and it's been a long time, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of young men uh, that were very fortunate, Fish, that got drafted, that were, have been waiting a lifetime uh, for this. And, and this is uh, something that, that you yourself has had a chance to be a part of the National Football League as a player, you know, working for the National Football League. Uh, these young men, this draft that just uh, took place in April 20. Uh, eighth, I think it was the first day of yeah, the draft. 20, my birthday, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty eight. There you go, and that's another special day for me. I got to remember that that was my birthday. I got a chance to get drafted for my birthday. Uh, shout out to my daughter Gabrielle, who just graduated from Pepperdine University. Uh, that's why I was not here in the studios. That's why I didn't make it to the draft. Uh, but I couldn't wait to come in the studios and talk about the draft with with my man Fish, as I call him. He's a friend of the show, but a friend of mine. So Fish, this draft. 2017 draft, uh, was there anything or anybody that you think will, in the long run, end up being very special? Anybody on that board across the league Ooh. that you see or you saw that you thought, you know, when it's all over with, you know, because in basketball, everybody's always talking about LeBron James being the greatest of all time, but you really don't know till it's all over with. But is there somebody or anybody in this draft that you saw that you think, you know, that is one young man that is extremely special and he may leave his mark on the National Football League at some point in time? Offensive line, defensive line, you know, special teams, whatever. Was there a special person it, out there? Actually, it was a couple players that I thought was, uh, was special. Um, and, and I think they're going to leave their mark on that field for whatever team they play for after they was drafted and, and in the future. Um, it's a lot of players that, you know, you, you, when you're evaluating them, you feel like they're special, but sometimes the situation that they go into puts a lot of pressure in, uh, on them, and, and they're not, they can't play up to the ability because they're trying to do too much to help the team. But there are some players in here that can be impact players as a rookie, um, and we, I mean, we can go back and talk about uh, Dak Prescott and uh, Zico Elliott last year in, in, the, in the season they had. But there was other rookies last year that had really good seasons, you know. But, I mean, obviously Dak 
uh, had a great year for a rookie, and, and Ezekiel had a great year for a rookie. You know, um, but I saw those guys, and I and, and I know people may not believe this, but I mean, Dak Prescott went in the fourth round, but I thought Dak was special. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's going to be the same results from some players this year, and it may be players that was drafted in the second, third round. Is there anybody you, know, you can, that you can call by name that, that uh, here on the show that we could say, hey, man, I want to go back to that because Fish told you guys right. I mean, that person I, was special. I mean, like, you? I mean, Miles Garrett, everyone knows about Miles Garrett, but I think what Miles Garrett is going to do for the Cleveland Browns, he's going to make a lot of other players better, and, and, and he's going to do some things that's going to be special. You know, I, I um, believe that. I've, I've always been. Uh, it's always been my opinion, Fish, that I think that a great player makes people around uh, him better. Oh, it's no question. I always told, always told people this. This is this was this was always my philosophy. And if you look at and I and I say this in college football, you look at college football team and you got eleven players on the field, and and it varies from freshmen to seniors, um, and then you have six or seven of those eleven. Are, are the guys who you really saying, wow. And then three of those six or seven are great players. Mm-hmm. And they make those three other good players great, and they make those other three or four players that's average good. And that's when you have a team that, that wins games. And, and with all that being said, and they come together and there's no selfishness because those top six is going to eat, and they're going to help the other five eat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I believe that, and, Fish. I remember I, go, I can go way back, and I mean way back, but I remember you know being a teammate of Reggie White's. And there's no doubt in my mind that Reggie White made Clyde Simmons a damn good football mm-hmm. player and, and Seth Joyner an all-pro. You know, And it's because sometimes you had to put double-team Reggie or maybe even triple-team Reggie. And, and that happens sometimes when, you, when you've got great players uh, on the team. Let me ask you something. The position of quarterback, and I, and I bring this mm-hmm. up only because there's been some a quarterback in the news here lately who's going to be doing something similar to what you and I are doing right now, but certainly going to get paid a lot more money than what we're right, paying right. right now, and that's Jay Cutler. And, uh, again, this is just, again, one of the things I heard on, on the Big Boy Show. Uh, you talked about inserting someone into the lineup too fast. Uh, the quarterback position is one of those positions that people are always concerned about that. Some of the great ones uh, – Got a chance to, as my man Michael Jackson used to say, marinate a little bit. So they got a chance to, you know, sit there and learn and take stuff in and soak it up. And then they were inserted to the lineup. Of course, we know one of the greatest ones of all time may be the GOAT. Uh, Tom Brady got a chance, you know, a little bit of time before he got inserted to the lineup because of injury. Um, you know, Dan Marino didn't get that chance. He was inserted in there. Uh, that quarterback position is the one that many times you hear about prematurely putting them into the game. Is there other positions that you think perhaps as well as the quarterback position that being inserted into the lineup is something that you might be cautiously aware of? Or is it that individual? Is it the position or is it the individual that you're concerned about putting in there too early? I think it's the individual. Um, I think the quarterback position is is, probably the hardest position on the field. And you can have the talent as a quarterback, but and, and let's be, let's be real. If you only have one receiver, you're not going to be pretty. You're not going to be pretty good. If you don't have, if, if you only have a running back with a tight end and no receivers, I mean, you have to have everything in place. And when Tom Brady, and, and I'll go back because I'll tell you this. He took money out of my pocket. I was in Pittsburgh <laughs> when they beat us, and they yeah. went to the Super Bowl in 2001. Mm-hmm. But 
that was his that was his come out party. I mean, when you guy when you think about it, Blesto got hurt, mm-hmm. um, and this dude came in and, and shine. Now, was he ready? I think Brady was ready from day one when he left Michigan. A lot of people don't understand. Brady went through so much adversity at Michigan. He was, they brought in, what, Chad Haney, and he brought in, it was like two quarterbacks, never beat him out. And know what he did? He just won games. Then he gets to the NFL, he's itching to play because the guy is so competitive. You watch him today, he's, what, 38, 39, and he still had that fire that he had in 2001. So that's something that I think people don't look into. They don't look into the victories, the win, the adversity that, that these quarterbacks go through. So when you bring in a rookie quarterback and he hasn't dealt with a lot of adversity, he's going to deal with a lot of adversity. So if you don't know how to deal with it, that's when you have problems on the field. That's when you can't see that coverage and you're throwing in the coverage and you're throwing picks because that position, it takes – you almost have to be a corner or a receiver to play that position – Corn, I say corners and receivers because corners don't think they can get beat by anyone. Mm-hmm. Receivers think they can beat everyone. And if the quarterback doesn't have that mentality, I, I just nine or ten times, he's probably going to struggle. No, and I, and I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I was fortunate. I was blessed. I played both of those positions. But I agree with you 200%. Uh, I remember uh, it was one time when Eli was interviewed and somebody asked him some question, a crazy question. And, of course, Eli's response was, you know, he was the best or his team was the best, you know, but he certainly wasn't going to concede to somebody else being better than them or them going to lose a football game. And, And Tom Brady, a lot of people, and I think it's people on the outside who haven't played the game, they look at Tom Brady and they look at him as a quarterback, and they don't see that aggressive personality into him. So every now and then, when somebody scores a touchdown, he wants to hit. But but Tom Brady has a very aggressive, in my from my perspective, a very aggressive demeanor about him when he's on that on that football field. And you know, as we say in the hood, he ain't no punk. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, you, right. Tom right, Brady is no right. punk. And and if you're gonna play. You you definitely want Tom on your side, but uh, I, I I remember uh, in particular I remember that Super Bowl that you guys didn't win because I think the Eagles uh, won and went on to play New England and that's when Tom won that first Super yeah, Bowl if I'm, yeah. not, if I'm not mistaken. That, so I, I, I remember that too because that, that's a man from from that school up north. But uh, I do admire him. <laughs> I like that. so so what I what I want to do is uh, I want to kind of go into something else. But I'm gonna ask you just one quick question, uh, and I want you to think about this is because. Tom's nemesis, you know, or, or Tom may think he doesn't have one, but somebody who certainly, you know, is always concerned about what Tom is doing is, you know, one of your old friends and that's uh, Ben, Big Ben. And, man, I, I'm a little worried about Big Ben health-wise. I don't like to see Ben take all those hits, and, and he takes a lot of them. Uh, but Ben is thinking about maybe retiring. This, he's going to take it one year at a time, man. Uh, I mean, if he were 10 years younger, he would talk about you know, five years ahead. But, you know, being his age, that one year at a time makes a lot of sense to me. So uh, i tell you what, uh, I'm going to take a break, maybe a little early, but we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about Ben because I grew up, uh, I was aware of the Steelers, okay? And I know the Steelers are dear to you, Fish. You know, of course, you uh, spent some time with them, but you grew up in Pittsburgh, man, right outside of mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. So we, we're going to talk about the Steelers. In particular, I want to talk about Big Ben's health. That's, that's what I'm concerned about. So we're going to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back with my friend Kelvin Fisher.
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. That music, you know the show. You listen to Railroad Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Uh, what matters to me? Well, there was just a draft a few weeks ago, and a, uh, a number of young men are going to ch- have a chance to live their lifetime dreams. Uh, one young man who's been living a dream for a long time is uh, up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, not because of his former relationship with uh, with the team, but uh, this is a football man that I'm talking to here. And, and there are some concerns about football and football players now. Uh, Jay Cutler has stepped away, and uh, there's only only so many opportunities inside those booths, if you will, across the country uh, for uh a football player to be inserted in. And Jay may have beat Ben to the box <laughs> by coming out a year earlier and taking down a nice salary. But but they both, I believe, in my personal opinion, watching them and observing them, have taken some punishment. Uh, you know, Ben is 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 a big, strong quarterback. Uh, but he's at he's got to be at the end of his career. He's got to be looking down the road and, and knowing that uh, sooner or later he's He's going to have to hang it up. Uh, he may be able to do it voluntarily or an injury could be in sight. But uh, being the competitor that he is and, of course, looking at Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl, um, what, do you, what do you think about Ben's career um, going forward, Kelvin, in terms of uh, how long health-wise, just looking at him, can he continue to take some of the punishment he's taken and knowing the competitive spirit that he has, uh, how long you think he he said one year, one year at a time? Uh, but what do you think it might look for him in terms of his longevity and, and, and remaining here in the National Football League? I mean, I, I mean, if he's taking it one year at a time, then I mean that that's that's how he's feeling. But I just feel like um, he, he's a mature quarterback now. I know, you know, he's a big guy. He knows how to take care of his body now. I mean, when you first get into the league. You're young, your body recovers faster, and as you play, the longer you play, you, 
the more you find out about how your body recovers. And, and I think he's at that point where he knows how his body can recover. He knows what days he need to be ready at practice. He knows, you know, the whole course of the week leading up to the games. So, I mean, I think Ben is too competitive because you're talking about Tom Brady being competitive. Ben Rosenberger is very, very competitive. And I, I just think that competitiveness will not let him go one year. Like, he's chasing, chasing the same dream that everyone in the NFL should be chasing, and that's that Lombardi trophy. And I think he's chasing that dream to get it, and I think he's going to get another one. But that may not be the end of his career when he gets that next one because he, he's so competitive, you know. And, and I, 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 had, I always used this philosophy um, when I looked at players, you know, um, a, a player, if football's taken away from a player, the really, really good ones that's very, in, that's, that's very competitive, that's into it, they're devastated. And then you have that group of guys who's satisfied. And then you have that group of guys who's relieved. And what I mean by that, I think right now Ben would be devastated if football's taken away from him. And at some point, he's going to be satisfied because he accomplished everything he wanted. But he'll never be relieved. The guys who are relieved that football's taken away from them, they never love football. Mm -hmm. You know, that's really interesting you said that because being born and raised in Canton, Ohio, uh, one of the people that I looked up to was, was Alan Page. And Alan, of course, being from Canton, uh, a member of the Purple People Eaters, um, you know, a Hall of Famer, um, a tremendous um, transition from the game into um, being a, a lawyer and, and a judge. And I got a chance to interview Alan uh, once on my show, and, and I talked to him about his love for the game, and he told me he didn't love the game. And I found that so hard to believe how somebody could be so good, because I like your philosophy too, how, but, but how somebody could be so good and not really love the game, because it's nothing easy about this game of football. Right. Nothing easy whatsoever. I remember telling the coach, uh, Dave Adolph, who, uh, who has gone on, and God rest his soul, uh, you know, I t he asked me that I that I love it. I told him I, I I loved it, but I loved it on two days on game day and payday. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so those are the two days that I love it. But but I but I agree with you uh, about being and because of that, you know, I I think that's why there there's times where there's situations where somehow or another, uh, coaches have to step in. And, 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 and medical people have to step in and protect players from themselves many times because, as you know, Kelvin, guys will go into the game, they'll be hurt, uh, they'll try to push it, they'll try to keep going. Uh, I know Ben has taken a lot of shots because he's a big man. Every, everybody thinks getting hit doesn't hurt. But they take a toll after a while. And, and I just hope that he's one of those guys that he can walk away from the game on his own terms and that he doesn't get injured. That That's what my fear is nowadays because uh, the linemen, as you know, now for a while I used to say they were getting uh, bigger, stronger, faster. Now they're getting faster, but they're not as big. All the, all the, in fact, those, those pass rushers are, are not as big. And that's something I wanted to ask you about that too. What is it that you've seen over the years when you guys were out looking at these pass rushers, get them up there in Denver for sure, you guys got some good ones. They're not the 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", guy, 5'11". You know, six foot. What is it now that is it the leverage that they're able to get? What is that? Can you talk I mean, about that a little bit? Because they're, they're punishing the quarterbacks. I think it's the leverage. I think it's the quickness. I think it's the, the explosiveness. Um, 
can you bend? I mean, you know, you don't you don't want the pass rusher to be stiff because it's 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 so many moves you have to make because the the, the tackles are big. And strong and fast and quick too now. Yeah, the tackle, but the offensive so tackles the, are like I'm, when we talk yeah. about offensive tackles, they're usually six three, six four, six five. Right, those are some big men. Yeah, right, and and so I so I think the pass rush game used to be power, speed to power, strength. Whereas now it's combination, speed to power, speed to power, rip, speed to power, spin move. I mean, so you have to be an athlete to do those things. Whereas before. That defense end was a big 6'4", 280-pound guy that just tried to power you. And now the speedier guys have made the offensive tackles have to be quicker as well. And lighter so you're saying those offensive tackles nowadays are more athletic than um, they've been in the past. Think about the offensive tackles back in the day, 330, 320, I mean, uh, 340. Today, offensive tackles are, what, 320, 315? But they have good feet. They're athletic. They have long arms. You know, they have they don't have to have a great punch, but they can have good hand use. I mean, it's so many things that offensive tackle can do to win battles with a speedy pass rusher, you know what I'm saying? But the one the speedy pass rushers that have a combination of speed, power, quickness, bend, and athleticism, they're hard to block. Mm-hmm. So and I, and and this kind of goes back to Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett was a freak when it came to bending. Now he can go underneath your arms and, and and explode. So that guy is going to help somebody on the other side, the left end. If he's the right end, he's going to help the left end. He's going to help that 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 three tech or you know that's 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 playing next to him. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So like those guys bring so much more to the table, and people say, well. You know, he only had 10 sacks. Yeah, he only had 10, but the guy on the other side had 15. And and five of those 10 that he got was because of this guy. So really, when you look at the numbers, you got to look at all the numbers and what that guy's bringing. So I think that's what the speed, the quickness, you know, you don't have to have the big, the big, big brute guy anymore. You can have the six foot three, 260 pound DN, you know, and a lot of them is so athletic, they can hold the point and get off of a block because they're athletic, you know, so it, it works out. So let's look at that quarterback position because I think they, they, the, the pass rushers are endangering the quarterbacks. Has that effect had any effect on today's quarterback? Does the, today's quarterback have to be more athletic or does he have to have more elusive skills in order to play that position because so much pressure is getting to him so fast? I don't think he have to be a great athlete. I think he have to be smart. And if you watch the league, what's happening? It's going to the quick game. So you got good pass rushers, you're getting the ball out quick. The defense is going to adjust, and then you adjust. And I think right now with the game of football, it is about X's and O's. You know, that's what they're practicing all the time, X's and O's. And knowing, you know, if they're going to come with this quick pass rush, we got to get the ball out quicker. So we can't be in third and tens. We can't be in third and twelves. We got to be in third and six. Third and fours, third and eight. Now you have now you have option to do several different things, and I think that's what the game has come to. Is, is I mean, I think one of the biggest thing in football now is special teams. Are you playing on one side of the field, or are you playing on your side of the field? Mm, mm. Okay, let's, let's let's talk a little bit about the, the game, fish, because as I look, you know, and and I see the game, and they always talk about the game changing, but there's some point in time where particularly when either you're winning 
or you're behind, uh, either way, the running game is something that you're concerned about. You're a former running back yourself. How important is the running game to football? You, you, you talk about the quick passes and, you know, getting the ball, you know, out of your hand real fast, having explosive receivers who can, you know, some you want them to go over the top and some of them you want to be able to catch them and make something happen. The running game, is that still important in football today? I think the running game is probably more important now than it was in the past. And the reason I say that is you got teams that's going to go sub-package with a smaller D tackle in and, and, and these speedy uh, pass rusher that's getting upfield. So what do you do? You run right at that smaller tackle or let them get upfield, you run underneath them. Prime example, when you watch the Super Bowl, what did Atlanta do that was so well? They ran the ball really good. Uh, New England made some adjustments, but New Atlanta was running the ball and they was getting to the, they was getting to the outside. And I mean, so like you got to adjust what you feel like is going to be the best thing for you and not necessarily the best thing. Sometimes it ain't the best thing for the players. It's just the best team for the team, for the whole team in the whole. And I just think that the running game is very important. I mean, do you need a balance? Is it, is it a balance I, of running and passing or is it, it, or is it, is it, is it your strategy as a team? This is our system as a team or is it? Per game, because we're playing this team this week, that team next week. We're game planning for each team. But if you're a running team, are you going to keep running the ball? Or if you're a passing team, you're going to keep passing the ball? Or you, if you're a combination of both, you keep doing the both? I, I think you want to be balanced at both. Because at some point, one is going to overtake the other at some point during the game. Like, like, I, like I'll give you a prime example. Pittsburgh, Le'Veon Bell carried that team for about seven straight games. When you look back, Le'Veon Bell probably had 12, 1,300 yards rushing in seven games, mm-hmm. in the last seven games of the season. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they was running the ball, and teams was coming in like, we got to stop the run. And what Ben do, he get you, he, 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 can, he can manage the game to keep you off balance. And that's the key It's keeping someone off balance for four quarters, not two, not three, but four quarters. And that way you control the game. I think the running game is just as important. Like I, I was in Buffalo on the staff, and we was the number one rushing team in the league. You know, and I mean, but we didn't have to throw the ball as much. You know what I'm saying? But when we got in a situation where we had to throw the ball, our running game, it took a toll because that's what we were, that's what we were good at. Well, I, I, I certainly, I've always been one. I think if you control the run, you can control the clock. If, if you're running, you mm-hmm. know, you, you know, it puts you in a better position because you, you can take your time at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you run more time off the clock. And, and then if you're winning at, at the end of the game, you certainly want to be able to hold on to it and you want to keep running the ball. So I, I just wonder because as, as, you, as you watch the National Football League fish, uh, it certainly is becoming more and more of a passing game. The receivers are much bigger. Receivers are much faster. Uh, it puts a whole lot more pressure. Like you talk about the corners, you know, uh, that the corners are finally getting paid. At least, let me put it like that. <laughs> what I think they're worth because it's always been to me the most difficult position to play because you, you are up against probably the some of the best athletes on the field in that receiver position. And, and, and sometimes, depending upon how you're doing it, you may be running backwards, you may be trying to jam, and you may be trying to do a couple things to them. But one of the things I'm going to do is take a break. We're going to come back. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and we'll be right back.
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Who do you feel the most important person is on a sports team? Is it the captain, the star player, or the fan? While it could truly be any of these individuals, more often than not, it's the coach. Listen for A Coach's Spirit with hosts Blake Rockwell and Kendall Allen. A Coach's Spirit offers a look into the human side of coaching and a chance to learn from some of the most impactful leaders in the game. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Uh, what matters to me, of course, the National Football League draft. Um, a number of young men have been blessed. Their families have been blessed. Their communities have been blessed. Their colleges and universities uh, have been blessed. And, and hopefully um, many of them will make the NFL team. But one thing that uh, I want to talk about now with, uh, with my friend Kelvin Fisher is that Whenever a draft comes around, I'm always excited about it. And, I, and the reason why I'm excited about it, because I know, as I, as I continue to say, that a young man is about to be blessed. But at the same time that a young man is about to be blessed, there are some people looking around the locker room or looking around their houses and thinking to themselves, wow. Why did draft somebody in my position? <laughs> now, as a person who's done that to those people, who's blessed them in one case and cursed them in the other, you you can't possibly stop and think about that at all. But you have been one of those athletes yourself that has come in as a rookie, knowing that you now are fighting for a job, but the only way you get a job is you take it from somebody else, and then you're in a position where you're now the person that makes that. Have you guys ever thought, do, do scouts ever talk about that sometime, those people in person? Do you ever talk about, you know, man, this is it's a great day, but it's, it's a bad day, too, because, I mean, well, how does that conversation go? I, I mean, I don't, I, don't think we, I don't think we ever really talk. We definitely don't talk about it. And to be honest with you, that's kind of a 
crazy question to ask because <laughs> I never even thought about it. You know, oh, wow, yeah. I mean, because because you it, it's kind of funny. You right? You do you. you you see the numbers. You see the numbers. As a player, you see the numbers. I mean, I remember when I was playing, I, you know, you see the numbers. And, you, and the the ones who's very competitive, you're going to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to take his job. I'm going to take that's his right. job and, to move that's up. That's when you're coming in. And that, that's when you're coming in. And, and as a, you know, on the other side, being in the personnel department, all you're trying to do is just load your team. Wow. So, I mean, if you got, and I always, and, you know, we talked about this all the time. I always felt like you got to reload and never rebuild. That's right. And when you get to the point to where you're reloading, that means you're winning. That means you're winning. That means you're having chances to win championships. And I think, you know, I always say, you know, like, I'd rather have, I'd rather have six great corners and let them compete and figure out which five, like make it hard on, on, on the GM right. to, to pick those five guys because you got six and then, or make it to the point to where you're like, well, we can't get rid of this one. We can't get rid of no one because if we do, someone's going to take them. That's the situation you want to be in every year. That's called reloading. Right. When you're rebuilding, I can honestly tell you, and I've been in this situation uh, where you draft a guy and the guy that's already on the team, he's pretty. He's not really worried because he says, "Okay, the number is four, the number is five. So these five guys are going to make it. I'm one of the five, and I always believe like if you really truly, you know, want your team to be good." You better have six good corners. You better have six good safeties. You better have six good linebackers. You better have 10 good D linemen and, and 12 good O linemen and six good running backs. You want it to be very, very competitive. So are you, so are you, are you um, trying to make it uncomfortable for your players? No, no question. You have to because, because the ones who really want it is going to step up. And the, one, the ones who don't, and that's that guy who's uh, – who's, uh, Either satisfied or relieved, them guys, them guys is just they, they'll say like, okay, cut me, and I'll get picked up next in two days anyway because there is some team out there that need a receiver or a running back. Those are the guys who I really don't want. Who, who is in terms of position wise over your years, uh, Kelvin? Who do you find the most competitive amongst themselves and amongst their teammates, position wise? I, I, I think receivers. They, they, they go out and compete every day. They try to make each other better. They try to burn and beat the other side of the ball. Who, who, I think, what position is it? I think receivers is very, very competitive. I think the corners and the safeties is very, very competitive. Um, and, and I mean, like, the O-line and D-line, they're going to compete when it's time to compete. Them other guys are competing constantly. They're competing in endo. You know, if, if no one knows an endo, individual. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They want the corners, the DBs want their feet to look better than everybody's feet on the move. The receiver want his routes to be way crisp than everyone else. They're even the running backs. Those skill, those skill positions, and people got to understand, the skill position, those are the positions that you don't keep a lot of players yes. because you can't because the numbers at the D line and the O line is so top heavy. You got you're going to keep nine D linemen. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, nine O linemen. I mean, you may keep ten O linemen. I mean, those skill positions, those quarterbacks, those receivers, those numbers are fives and six. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Right. So the competitive edge, you have to have it, and you have to have it for a long time is that, to last. Is that an attitude that somebody has? Is that something that you pick up on an individual? Oh, most You know, most because definitely. sometimes we, we hear about people, you know, having quiet 
you know, their personality, their demeanor, they're quiet. But when you when they put that helmet on, they strap it up, they turn to another person. How, how are you? How does it reveal itself when, when in your experience of watching I, these players? I mean, I've seen all types. I've seen the ones who couldn't turn it off, didn't turn it off. That's who they was. I've seen the ones who you were thinking like, uh, I'll give you a prime example. When I was in, Bu- in Buffalo, we drafted Ross Cochran, and he ended up going to Pittsburgh and starting for him last year. Um, mild-mannered, smart kid, great kid. But when he got on the field, he was a total different dude. Mm. And, and so, like, you've seen that when he was in college. You, you've seen that when he played against Mike Williams in the, uh, against Texas A&M in the, in the uh, bowl game. You saw it. So, like, those are the little things that you see and you like, that guy has something. You know what I'm saying? But then everyone you talk to to get the background information, they're, oh, great kid, you know, soft-spoken. But when you see him play, you don't see any of that, you know. And then you can then, – then it's the flip side, Heinz Ward. I remember when Heinz Ward, when I was in Pittsburgh, Heinz Ward put his name on his helmet every year. Mm-hmm. Heinz Ward was a pro bowler with his name on his helmet. <laughs> like you know rookies, what I'm saying? Like, like a rookie. Because yeah. he wanted everybody to know. I didn't forget what it took for me to get here. And, and that was his approach. So everyone had these different approaches, but – Everybody has the same burning and desire inside. What about, I, I remember, you know, my rookie year. I'll never forget it. And, and this person knows who, who he is, uh, not that he listens to the show, uh, but I see him every now and then. I remember, I have a family member, and they, and they say that they're not a dream killer. I remember coming in as a rookie and bringing, you know, that attitude with me, that, that competitive spirit with me. Uh, that rah rah with me, and and a veteran pulled me aside and said, "Hey, we we, we don't we don't do that here. We don't do that here." Uh, are the veterans hard on the rookies that try to bring that energy from college into that environment, or are they welcoming and allowing them to be themselves? You know, today. I, I think today, I think it depends on the vet. I think how long he's been in because they all got to re- they all remember. When they were rookies, and I, and just like you sat here and you just talked about your rookie year, you can remember everything that happened your rookie year because that rookie year sets the platform for for really your career. And if and, the, and if you're an energy guy, if you play ten years, you better have energy for ten years. You know, if you're a quiet guy that that gets after it, that's what you're going to do for ten years. But the ones who not real. That's when you see the other stuff come out. Like, okay, I remember he had energy. Oh, that wasn't real. He just was doing it because three years later, he don't have energy. You know what I'm saying? And I think sometimes that's what weeds out guys who don't love this game, guys who soft. I mean, you know, not a physical player. I think that's what weed them out is over the time. And that's why I call those guys or the guys who's relieved. You know, that's interesting you said because, you know, you, you talk about different guys. And I know over the years we've talked about this fish. And, and you found guys everywhere. Uh, but I'm noticing that the large, you know, the bigger programs, the ones on TVs, the ones on the bowl games, they do seem to be producing a significant amount of players that make it into the National Football League. Um, is this still okay for a young man to go to a smaller university and still have aspirations to one day be a National Football League player? Oh, no question, because we, we, we find them everywhere. We find them everywhere. And, and sometimes, sometimes that guy, it need, they need a couple years to develop. So it, it takes them two years to develop at a small school. Then they become a dominant player as a junior and a senior. And, yes, we're going to go look at them. I mean, you look at the, the national championship, Alabama – Clemson, 
the, the one thing I noticed with both of those teams when I went in there, they were not a selfish team. They were a together team. Both of those teams were the together team. They all felt like if we all eat, we all eat. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and, and then just like at the small school, them guys are the same way. When you go watch them, there's guys there. It's the, the teams that win, they're not a selfish team. They're all-in team. And, 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 and they all eat. I mean, you're going to go in and look at one guy and end up finding maybe two or three more. And, and that's, that's the way they play because they look at it, they feed off each other. But I think you, if you're good enough, you're going to be found. And the, the, the key is just making that transition from a smaller school to the NFL because when you get to the NFL, it is a big boy league and it's a big school league. Let's talk about, uh, you know, some of the younger kids. Uh, you know, there's some concerns out there about younger kids having too much contact, you know, playing too much football. One thing I realized here in Arizona is – Arizona has spring football full contact, almost like in colleges where they have spring football. Um, just in your opinion, just nothing to do with the National Football League, but just at, at younger at a younger age, can can they still have organized football without equipment and still learn something, or do they need to have the full pads on all the time? In your opinion, I, I think. In my opinion, this is. I think. I think. And this got, is for the younger generation. Yeah, I, I think. I think. You high got, school. I think you have to go. Full pads because this is this is the way I this is the way I feel. I grew up in an era where we practiced every day of the week, damn near, when uh, full pads with contact, and it was less injuries. It was less injuries, and I think now the way things are, it's more injuries because bodies don't understand. Bodies don't get. You can't go all week and not hit and then hit on Saturday or hit on Sunday or hit on Friday, and your body responds to those hits. That, that body is not used to taking those hits. How many times you play, you bruise your shoulder? It was a bruised shoulder mm-hmm. just from just having contacts. But as you kept playing, you didn't feel the pain of the bruised shoulder. After the game, you ice it. The next day, you felt good. The next two days later, you was practicing in full pads, banging again. I think the body is not getting enough of it. And that's why you have in these injuries. Yeah, it's one of those things. There's always two sides to every story, and 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 I understand exactly what you mean. But I certainly remember too that the body kind of builds that callus, and then I would say it toughens up. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Got my friend, my man, Kelvin Fisher, in the studio with me. We both will be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You hear that music, you know the show. If it's a real sports on the Voice America Network, I'm in things living like it matters. Got my friend Kelvin Fisher in the studio with me, and uh, what matters for me, and I'm sure what matters to him too, is that uh, like us, there's a people uh, who going to have a chance for the first time in their life to put on a professional football uniform and and try to take a job, <laughs> take somebody's job. Uh, some will succeed and some will not, but the experience itself is is one of those things that you'll never forget. So. Um, I'm going to try to put uh, my man, as I call him, Fish, on the spot now because we're going to start talking about, you know, the AFC and the NFC and, and, and who out there, you know, do you expect to see something special? If, if you would ask the pundits out there, you know, the, the fellas on the Big Boy Show, uh, the New England Patriots have already won the Super Bowl. But uh, looking at the – let's start over in the, in the NFC, uh, uh, Fish, who, what, what team do you, you see that you think, based upon the way they finished last year, uh, not necessarily what they did in the draft? Who knows? You know, one thing about the draft sometimes, hell, you could draft some players. Some players could get injured. You know, some players uh, uh, may not pan out. But just looking at what they had last year, you know, over in the NFC, um, who do you think may make a little bit of noise this year? I mean, <clears throat> Atlanta, 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 Atlanta has – that formula right now, and I and I and I've always told you this: when you have that that oper- that window of opportunity to make that run, you just got to keep reloading. And I think Atlanta reloaded, and I think that that they have the formula right now. Um, I think they're gonna make a splash. They was in the Super Bowl. I, I mean, they're they're. The, it's when you go and lose, you gotta get back. I mean. That's that burning desire, and like I said, I was in Pittsburgh and we lost the AFC Championship game, and and it it killed us for a whole year mm-hmm. until we got back, until it was our turn. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, like that burning desire is is really unbelievable with these NFL players because when you get there and you see you're one of two teams that's playing, and you're the last one of two teams that's playing, you want to be back there. Man, and I think that's what it just just like Clemson, they wanted to be back in the national championship. They lost. They wanted to be back. You know, Alabama's the same way. Ohio State's the same. When you look at those schools, that burn. When you talk to those players, that's a burning desire to have, um, because you've been there. You know, and I think I think Green Bay, Dallas. I think those teams is they're on their way. I mean, they 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 got they at the point to where they're reloading. Um, they all got good quarterbacks, you know. Um, Kansas City is going to be, you know, and that, that's a that's an AFC team. But I mean, it, it's those playoff teams when you look at them, you say, wow, you know, they're not a wild card team. They're not a divisional championship team. They are an AFC championship team. They are an NFC championship team. And you start identifying teams like that. I know I always did, and I can look at my team whenever I was with a team, and I would say. We're a wild card team. Mm-hmm. And people say, what are you talking about? We're a wild card team. Like, 
we're not going to win after the wild card because we're just if we win that wild card game we're not we're not ready yet to win a divisional team because we don't have enough players to cuz every time you take another step in the playoffs you got to be right everything got to be right mm-hmm. you got to have your starters you got to have your backups everything got to be right and and and, and so that's what i see in the NFC the AFC obviously New England Pittsburgh. Oh, and I can't forget. I'm sorry, Seattle in the NFC. You know, but because they always play hard and, and they got something special up there. The AFC, you know, Pittsburgh, New England, um, Baltimore is always. You know, you know what Baltimore is. Um, Kansas City. You know, I mean, it, it's it, those teams. And I'm just going off of what I saw last year because you just right. never know, and and you never know what injuries. It's a long year. It's a long year. And and you hoping if you do have injuries, it's early and you get everyone back, you know, late because you want them back healthy late. I mean, so I mean, it's a lot that goes into it. But those teams that's been there, they know how to get there. Now you 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 mentioned about reloading. We've always talked about that on the show. But 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 something else you you talked about that that I picked up on. I think this might be the first time that, I, that I've heard you say this. Uh, but it's interesting to know that going into a season. A staff, a team may know that they're a wild card team. Now, knowing that they're a wild card team, you know, from the higher ups, you know, the folks on the coaching staff, the administrative staff, scouting, all all those, Jim, everybody else, owners. um, How do you how do you manage a team like that when you know that? Uh, the expectation of this team is 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 a is a wild card team. Are you satisfied with that? Do you coach them? How do you get them to play above that wild card slot that you see them in? That not to necessarily be satisfied, but that might be what we think about this team at this time because of the lack of talent we might have. How do you coach a team? And, and like see, that? and that's exactly what you just said at the end. I predict those. I, I like. I've always said. If you don't have the talent, like I, I've been through, I, went, I was with Pittsburgh when we went wild card all the way to the Super Bowl, and it was hard. But we was healthy at the right time. We got healthy at the right time. We peaked at the right time. But we had good players. We wasn't a wild card team. We were a Super Bowl team. But we got in as a wild card because we had some injuries. We lost some games we shouldn't have lost because we just didn't have the players. The bottom line is when I say a wild card team, it's your talent. So a coach, and I always say this to people, you got 16 games. Your defense should win you eight because they say defense win games. Your offense is going to win you four. Your coach or your offense may win you five or six, but your coach at some point during that year, he got to win two games. Mm. He has to win two games. It could be the playoffs. It can be the regular season, but he has to win two games. And, and when, you, when you lose players – we won games in Pittsburgh with injuries. We had we had a multiple injuries at the beginning of the year, but we won. That staff put in put in enough work and won two games for us. Now, the defense and offense was going to win the rest, and that's what happened. That's what happened. And I just think like when when I say a wild card team, when I go into training camp, we all talk about going to the Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, when those numbers come down, you don't see your team playing against no one until the preseason. So you go two weeks of training camp, three weeks of training camp, and, you, and you're going against each other, and you're like, man, we pretty good, we pretty good, we pretty good. Then you go and play someone who is just as good or even better, and then, and then they beat you, and then you look and say, wow, okay, 
we don't have that depth like we thought we did because mm-hmm. our first team might have played well against their first team, but our second team got destroyed by their second team. That's your depth. That's when you know, like, okay, we can if we squeak in this wild, we got to win this wild card game. But we're wild. We're going to get a wild card. We're not going to be the divisional. We're not going to be playing in the divisional and get a bye. We're going to be the wild card team. So when you get in there, now you got to say, okay. Can we win and get to the divisional? And if you get to the divisional, not only goes to a whole other level, but that team you playing against had a bye. Oh, and they're loaded. That's why That's why I'm saying, like, divisional team, wild card team, divisional teams, AFC Championship, NFC Championship teams, Super Bowl teams, because those teams know how to get over that hump, mm-hmm. over that hump. So, so getting over that hump, let me ask you this then. So does, does a, is a loss a loss, or is it how you lose that makes a difference? I think a loss is a loss because at the end of the day, I mean, I hate losing. So it don't matter if I lose by one point or by 30 points. I hate losing. So mm-hmm. a loss is a loss to me. So, mean, if you, so if you're up against a team that you might feel have more talent than you, the fact that you played them tough and, you know, maybe lost on, you know, the last drive of the game, you still lost the game. And I don't think it's no moral victories. Like yeah. you can go in the locker room and say, hey, we had a chance to win. That's negative. We had a chance to win. If anything, you're going to say, hey, we blew that game. We, we should have won that game because we did this, this, and this wrong is why we didn't. You don't go in and say, uh, we were better than that team. No, you wasn't. You just lost to them. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like when coaches go in and make up an excuse for a loss, they don't hate losing. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. you can't make an excuse for losing when you hate it. Okay. Hey, Fish, right, listen, we got, we got uh, one minute left. Here's what I want to do, man. There's some young men out there that uh, in 30 seconds that, that are trying out for a team for the first time in their life. What advice would you give them trying to make an NFL roster? Go do what you do best and never hold back. Play every play, every practice like it's your last because it can be. You heard it from the man himself, Kelvin Fisher. I want to thank you all for listening to the show. You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Thank you for spending this hour with Ray Ellis Sports. We hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. For more information and to write Ray, visit RayEllisSports.com. That's RayEllisSports.com. Be sure to join us again next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel.